Ballistic Sports presents Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Follow Ballistic on Twitter at Ballistic underscore sports. This week, former Blue Jay pitcher Scott Richmond has no regrets in his life after baseball. Yes, I would have loved to have a 10-year career and make millions of dollars and lots of contracts and all that, but just to get there is a dream come true. And to be there for two and a half years was, you know, was a great accomplishment. And now a man who may not have had a 10-year baseball career, but he's really proud of his 10-year high school career. Here's Barry. Almost made the football team like never. <laughs> but I, 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 I did work for the team once. I was the, the sideline person. You were the water boy? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, was, I called it the equipment manager job. That's even better. It so was you great. were a manager already yes. in high school. And it worked out really well until I accidentally gave one of the players Rub A535 to put on a cut. Why would you have done that? Because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Oh, dear. Thankfully, I do know what I'm doing when it comes to out of the park. At least I hope <laughs> I do. And we've got a fantastic show for you here this afternoon. Or this evening, or whenever it is, you may be. Now, we've just given away the secret, Tom, that we're recording this show in the afternoon. Yep, I know. You know okay. what? Late, the late night show, like they, they kept that up for how yes. many years? Yes. We've just blown it. I know. It's like our third month in doing this. <sighs> yep. Scott Richmond, uh, what a great story. And we all know about his uh, you know, journey to the major leagues, and we'll touch mm -hmm. on that a bit. But what many don't know is his journey post-baseball. And we look at life after baseball with former Toronto Blue Jay Scott Richmond. We will have Ask Barry Davis, and the questions are starting to flow in, Tom, which is really nice. They are. And up next, uh, I'm going to take some personal time to pay tribute to a couple of really, really important people in my life. There is Tom Forth. I'm Barry Davis, and you're listening to Out of the Park. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. Well, Tom, usually this uh, segment is uh, used to talk about what's going on in the world of uh, baseball, but this week I'd like to get a little more personal. Um, it's been uh, <laughs> quite a week and uh, for, for my life personally. Uh, earlier, um, well, I'll, get to, I'll get to Aaron in a second, but first of all, I... Uh, woke up Saturday morning and I uh, got an email from Mio Yakoi who big part of the spin when I was doing the radio show mm -hmm. and uh, really helped me because she's a psychotherapist and I had a lot of help from her over time and um, I got her involved in starting her own podcast and, and such uh, she told me the news that she's been diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer uh, incurable mm -hmm. and given maybe a year and uh that was that was tough and i actually spent like an entire afternoon just texting with her while she was having her chemo yeah and uh some really candid things we, she was saying to me about facing death and she actually wants to talk about it on the show so uh next week we will uh, we'll talk uh, to Amelia Coy and we'll hear what she has to say and house and and get ready for it. this is going to be like some really candid deep stuff uh, coming from someone who's you know mm -hmm. uh, knows that the t there's not much time left 
Yeah. You know, and, and none of us that are here have any idea what that feeling is, is like because if we did, yeah. we'd be there, right? Yeah, exactly. So that was uh, that was uh, number one. Uh, earlier in the week, um, just again, I, I'm at work and received news by text that just left me shattered. And uh, the the voice you hear singing in the background is a young lady named Allie Cribb and her mother, uh, a girl named by the name of Aaron Paul, was somebody that uh, we knew each other, you know, kind of, sort of, for one year in high school. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she knew more of me. Than, than I knew of her uh, at the time, and you'll hear that in a moment. But um, so we ended up working together. I, I, she ended up getting into TV as well and was working for CBC and then took a job at Sportsnet. She just wanted to do sports for a while. We worked together at Sportsnet and stayed very close uh, and, and talked quite a bit in the industry. And I remember when Roy Halliday died, she, she texted me right away and said, can you do an interview with me on, on my radio show? And I said, absolutely, 100%. Um, Yes, she passed away this past week, and at this moment, we don't know exactly how she died, but it was it was sudden, it was unexpected, and um, I had her on my uh, radio show just over a year ago, and I just wanted you all to hear a little bit of that conversation. Okay, I, I know that as a parent, you automatically will say, oh, my daughter's amazing, she's talented, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you now, and I'm totally impartial, when she sings, it's mesmerizing. I am actually like in a trance listening to that voice. It is so beautiful, so powerful. Mm-hmm. If that means that much to me and I'm just some stranger, what is it like for you to hear your daughter sing like that? Oh, I'm usually in tears, actually. It's just, it's, it's, it gives me goosebumps because it does sound otherworldly. Yeah. Um, she works so hard at it, though. You know, I'm so proud of, of she was talking about discipline. And I'm so proud of what she does. And when I hear her sing, I, I, I know what has gone into that performance. I know the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Well, at what age was she at that you and her father said, you know, there must have been a moment where you guys got together and said, okay, we've got to push this or support this because she's got this God-given ability that very few people have. She did her first performance um, at Glenn Gould Studio when she was, what, about nine? Um, and she went in there first time on a big stage, and she killed it. And I knew at that moment that this was something special in the making. And the more effort she put into it um, and the work she has done with her father, um, you know, we, we knew over the years that this is something that is special. Mm. And whatever it takes for as long as she wants, um, we'll be there behind her. Knowing your mom from back when, she liked to rock a little bit too. So, like, maybe a little Motley Crue in there or anything like that, you know? (laughs) You know, she's the R&B style. Barry, stop trying to make her rock. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy music of other genres. Uh A little disclosure here: Barry and I actually did attend high school for one year (laughs) together, and I did see him up on stage in the spandex. She's one of the few people that actually battle of the bands, and that's seared in my brain forever. She's one of the few people that that can say that she lived to tell. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Out of the Park presents Ask Barry Davis. You know, while uh, Erin was really proud of her daughter and the music 
stylings of Allie. Uh, don't let it fool you. She was a rocker at heart. <laughs> and uh, we, we joked a lot about <laughs> her seeing my band. And she was actually hoping to get out to either see uh, We Ain't Petty or a Driven Show when COVID all came. So, uh, hey, we have to make the most of every day. And that's the message I have now in life, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, take any negativity. Take anybody that's willing to drag you down and take them out of your life. Block them. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do this right now. <laughs> right here on this podcast. Uh-oh. I'm going to Twitter. Oh, no. Okay. That, bad things happen when people go to Twitter, Barry. No, not, but not when you see what I'm going to do. People get angry. Okay. Show me. Let me. Okay. Sh- tell everybody what, what profile I have right here in front of me on Twitter. Donald J. Trump. Right. And now watch what I'm going to do right here. Okay. Oh, hang on a second. How do I do this? Um, here we go. I am going to. Here we go. Ready, Tom? Boom. Blocked. You blocked him? I blocked Donald Trump. Did that make you feel better? Made me feel a hell of a lot better. Mm. He is now blocked. I don't want to see anything he freaking says anymore because I'm now living for today and I'm living for positivity in my life. All right. Then I would suggest that he just be the first of those politicians. <laughs> yes. Well, there will be many to come. There'll be many to come. And, and he is a deserving first. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and again, thank you for indulging, uh, you know, in me uh, with, you know, my little tributes over the next little while. And again, uh, really looking forward to uh, chatting with Mio on next week's show. And um, you, have you ever chatted with Mio before? No, I have not. Okay, no. well, this will be uh, definitely a treat for you. All right, as we mentioned, it is Ask Barry Davis. And uh, before we get to the questions, Tom, I wanted to once again uh, send a very big thank you and give a very big plug for our pals at Ballistic Sports, mm-hmm. we uh, have gotten our swag in. Uh, I have now become, you know, a, a partner with them uh, for their campaign that they have going on right now, the Kickstarter campaign. So I purchased all three games, and for ninety nine bucks, I got all three games. If the campaign is a success, then that uh, credit card charge will go through, and I'll get the three games, and mm-hmm. life is wonderful. If, for some reason, the campaign fails, the money will be given back to me. So the more people that get involved in this, the better chance this campaign has of, of making something happen. And again, what I paid was the top yeah. dollar, yep. right? Um, there are different packages you can buy. You can buy single games. You can buy some of the swag. Uh, there are so many things that you can do. But again, the game we're talking about uh, from Ballistic Sports is really uh, uh, three games one for baseball, one for football, and one for hockey. And the premise of this game is pretty simple. And again, I don't know all the minor details yet. And mm-hmm. as soon as we get a hard copy of the game, you and I are going to do a video of us playing this game. I can't wait. Right. So you're watching a live sports event, and you're predicting what's going to happen before it happens. Mm-hmm. And depending on how the outcome is, uh, you move your game piece, and you get cards, and all that kind of fun stuff. And you say to yourself, well, Barry, in another month or so, there's not going to be any live sports for a while. What are we going to do? Well, uh, the good news is that you can play this game on, uh, what do you call that mode? Simulation. Simulation mode. Mm-hmm. So you can play it if you're a baseball fan. You can play it even though baseball season is not even happening right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we'll be back in the spring. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Assuming, <laughs> assuming we get through this winter. Yes. So, but 
I'm going to think positively now. And mm. now I'm ready to answer some questions. And from what I understand, you will be answering a question as well, Thomas. Yeah, apparently we're expanding the Asbury Davis portion. Well, There's they, an Ask Thomas I love it. So if people <laughs> want to submit questions to Asbury Davis, how can they? They can send them to either yourself or me on Twitter at fourth underscore Thomas or at Barry Davis underscore. You can also use the hashtag, hashtag Ask Barry Davis or the first time it ever got used this week, hashtag AskThomasForth. You That's can also impressive. send either of us wonderful guys a direct message. Both of our DMs are open, if you know what I'm saying. And you can send them to us there on Twitter. Uh, you can also sign up on Patreon.com slash park. Find us there. Throw a couple nickels our way. Help support this great program. And uh, while you're at it, get great access to not just, you know, first of the line for the Asbury Davis stuff, but the Out of the Park extras, which are some of, like, the most in-depth, awesome interviews. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, I should be thanking you, not just for saying the nice things, but thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for thanking me. As so Joe Biagini used to, that? we're like the opposite of <laughs> the rest right. of the world. As Joe, as Joe Biagini used to say, I appreciate your appreciation. <laughs> All right, let's get to the uh, questions this week. All right, first question up. Fiona would like to know. Hello, Fiona, one of our OTP members, by the way, and thank you for your support. Fiona would like to know who you think will be traded this year. If indeed the Blue Jays end up pulling the triggers on any trade, what are the names that are sticking out to you right now? Is I'm going base? simply by uh, my own thoughts and speculations and you know what i think could possibly be because i honestly haven't done a crap load of reading of certain rumors that might mm. maybe circulating but i'm going to look at this toronto blue jays roster and i'll tell you that you know if they are looking in the trade department i mean right off the the hop i would say that you have two young catchers and there's there's always a possibility that one of Danny Jansen or Reese McGuire get traded, especially now that you also have uh, Alirando Kirk and what an impression he made all five foot eight inches of him <laughs> last year. So they do have an influx and maybe some extra bodies when it comes to to catchers. Now, will any of these guys be able to lure you a great, huge player? No. But if you package them with somebody and I know there has been speculation because the Jays do have a pretty deep pool of infielders behind what's here now because they've got Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, uh, Espinal, Vladimir Guerrero, they've got Travis Shaw, they've got Rowdy Tellez. That's just on the 40-man roster. And then you add in so many of the non-roster players that the Blue Jays could conceivably have. Um, there, There's a pretty big pool of players that could be a part of this organization. So um, you could see an infielder being traded. And maybe not someone who's actually on the active roster for the Blue Jays right now. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There could be somebody that is going to be somewhere down the road for the Toronto Blue Jays that could end up being traded. So I'm really curious to see what happens. I do not want to see any of Bichette, Biggio, or Vladimir Guerrero even shopped, to be honest with you. I really don't want any of them traded. Yeah, if, if there was one of that group, who do you think is, who do you think is their first in line to... If it was between those three, yeah. I would think Bo Bichette would probably receive the most uh, interest because he's put up the numbers, but he's had injuries too, right? Mm -hmm. I think he's had injuries each of the last two years. So, no, I'm going to change it. I think Kevin Biggio will probably get the, the draw the most interest. I think he has a ton of potential. Any chance? 
of a move? I hope not. I don't. I wouldn't. I would be shocked. Yeah. Like all the trouble to acquire this amazing core, I'd be shocked. If well, they and that's the thing. They've they've done a lot to develop this core of young players right now. Mm-hmm. They've built up to this. I really don't want to see a Jordan Romano or a TJ Zoic get traded. I don't want to see a Patrick Murphy or Julie Mer- Merriweather, right? I mean, there's certain guys on this roster that you just like, don't touch them. Yep. Leave them there. Let this team develop like you wanted them to, right? Mm-hmm. Build it from the bottom. So there's well, question I one. love that. That leads right into our next question. All right. So our next question is, with the current crop of free agents in mind, so now that we've decided we don't want to get rid of any of the big pieces, mm-hmm. who would we like to see the Blue Jays jump after in the free agent pool? Well, of course, we're always looking. Bauer. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> uh, you take Marcus Stroman off that list because he has accepted the qualifying offer from the New York Mets. Yeah, he jumped right on that. He did. He really did. And I don't know if it was a matter of, you know, he was worried about what would maybe out there if he didn't. So Trevor Bowers out there, Tanaka would be an interesting piece, mm. maybe. Uh, you've got Jake Odorizzi, nah. James Paxson, if if I knew that he could stay healthy, yep. I would love it. But he is he's a pretty big risk. Um, his agent Scott Boris feels that he's back into as good health as ever. If that's the case, <laughs> Scott Boris feels that yeah, way about all of his clients. I know, but I would say James Paxson, one hundred percent, try to make a run at him. Uh, Corey Kluber, maybe a couple of years ago, I would have said yes. Um, I don't know if he can come back to what he was. So yeah. to me, those are the those are the guys that are starting pitchers that I would definitely look at. I really think though they need to look at the outfield. I, I think right now, unless you move some guys around, I mean you've got Teoscar Hernandez, and I love him, and it, it looks as though Lourdes Goriel Jr.'s you know found himself a, a pretty good home in the outfield as well, right? Mm-hmm. So. Those two guys, mm, I, you know, I'm great with. Randall Gritchick is just hit and miss. You know, it, to me, he's not a, a big name. I know the name George Springer has been floating around. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, interviewed him a few times during my time on the beat. And just a terrific kind of guy. I think he'd be great in the clubhouse with the Blue Jays. Uh, he's looking for around five years and $125 million. He's 31. So he would be quite the veteran amongst this young group of Blue Jays. <laughs> But I don't mind it. I think that this they could use somebody like that. Um, has he had his best years? I don't know. Maybe he has. Maybe he hasn't. But, uh, you know, he put up some decent numbers last year. Yeah, that's a name that intrigues me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's tough, right? Free agents. I can imagine that Toronto's going to have a really hard time this year in the free agent market, just with the whole COVID thing? Well, the, the thing is, though, the, the Jays, unlike a lot of other teams, are not near the, the limit of the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. So they're still doing okay there, and they they have a budget to spend. It sounds like you know the brain trust is saying, we will spend the money to add. And they've said it all along. When we're ready, when we feel that we're getting to that point where spending the money will make a difference, we'll do it. And, that, heck, they did that in 2015. They did. Yeah. Right? So, hey, could be an exciting offseason, right? Could be a very exciting one. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it will be. And even though it hasn't been yet, remember, I mean, it's still only November. Mm-hmm. The winter meetings haven't, yeah, they haven't happened even. yet. Exactly. So, okay. And I don't even know if they're going to happen this year. Probably be they're vir- scheduled virtual. To. Yeah, they just did the, they just did the uh, what was it? It wasn't, 
sorry, the no, GM's no. meetings. The GM's meetings yeah. are, are December, right? Yes. The owners' meeting is next week. No, it's the, it was... it's not the owners' meetings. It's the uh, winter meetings they call them. Oh, but I guess okay. it's kind of like owners. But it, it's it's really where all the trade talks yeah. really get up and going. And right. I've covered that thing many many times. And there's always a lot of great stuff coming out there. But I can't see how you're going to have 30 GMs and a yeah. whole bunch of media and agents all walking through a hotel lobby at the same time. It's just not going to happen. It would be an interesting yeah, interesting event either way. Yeah. <laughs> next up. All right, next up. One. Oh, no. Yeah, we've got an Ask Thomas Forth. Oh, okay, fine. So I'll just this, one, this one out, Coach. This one comes from another member, uh, Matthew. And Matthew, thank you very much for the interest. Uh, Matthew Bauer, not Matthew of the McFarland There we go, household. yes. Yes. Um, so Matthew wanted to know, I guess we've talked about sort of what how I came to OTP in the past and, and one of the things that I did is I, I spent some years in restaurants and so Matthew asked some questions eating? about you did a lot of eating oh I did a lot actually you know what not as much as you'd think <laughs> when, when you're working you, you generally don't have the time to eat um, but he we wanted specifically to know a little bit more about my past there so he wanted to know what companies did I work for what restaurants did I work for and um, you know how long did uh, how long did I spend in there and how did I get in there in the first place so good questions, all of them. I'll try and do that all in like one fell swoop. Yeah, go okay. for it. So I got into restaurants um, when I had just finished university, and I'd been playing music and and just sort of gigging and teaching guitar all through school, and I was happy and, and it was wonderful. But as I graduated, it was really hard as a musician, and I, I know a lot of people that you know have persevered, but a lot of people at the time were getting out, and I wanted a family and. And this cool opportunity in restaurants opened up for me, and I was a bar trainer for Kara, which is like Kelsey's Montana's, uh, the keg, every gift card. Yeah. And they used to do the food for the airlines. Yeah, they yes, yeah, they own everybody now. So I, I work for them as a bar trainer, and uh, so I got to go around and open new restaurants and train all their bartenders, um, and it was a lot of fun. And I thought, okay, you know what, I could make a living at this. And, and then I went into management and restaurants. And uh, I spent about 10 years in restaurants, and I worked for, like, if you've eaten at a casual dining restaurant here, uh, I spent, I guess, maybe five years with Kelsey's, three years with Jack's, five years with Turtle Jack's. So, yeah, we're going on more than 10 years. So, and then, and then a year with Lone Star. Jeez. The higher you to be, my personal chef. Foundation Physiotherapy presents The Medical Room. We are here at Foundation Physiotherapy. Well, half of us are at Foundation Physiotherapy as we do our first Zoom chat with Raj Sapaya. Desperate times call for desperate measurements, and I finally had to break down Raj and learn how this whole Zoom theme works. But look at you. You look like professional in that backdrop. Yeah, yeah, you're not one to you're you're not one to be zooming, are you, Barry? <laughs> no, but I'm learning. But I've got all awesome. this great stuff behind me to show Amazing. off, right? My yeah. guitars and everything. So yeah, there you go. So we're gonna do it this way for a while as we continue to wait for the world to get back to some sense of normalcy. So Raj, this week let's talk about something that gyms are closing or are closed, so, closed, so yeah. people need to find new ways to work out. Okay, and. A lot of people don't have a gym set up in their house. That means now it's time to go outside and work out. Now, this past week, the weather was beautiful. Now, we're getting into more of the November weather. It's getting colder. Your hands get cold. Your feet get cold. Is there any risk or any dangers to going for a run or doing workouts outside where it's cold? 
So, you know, the common misconception is that like I shouldn't work outside when it work out outside when it's cold. I think I think that's just a bit of a misconception. I mean, we see it as winter athletes that can perform outside, right? Um, we have runners that can run all season long. It's uh it's not it's it's possible. We just gotta change how we wrap our head around how we exercise and how prepared we are. Uh, it's very important to be prepared because we still can lose heat through certain parts of our body, but a lot of other parts of our body can actually retain heat and working out outside could actually make us feel warmer and be good for us. Cause it might not, you know, sometimes it's better to work out outside in the cold than it is in the heat. Cause you're definitely not going to, you're Why definitely not going to overheat and pass out in right. heat, right. In the, in the cold, sorry, but in the heat, there's a good chance of sometimes it's too hot to exercise. You can actually dehydrate yourself more. Right. What about the idea of your muscles being more prone to stiffening up if they're cold, uh, especially if, you know, you see this guy, it's minus five and he's out jogging in yeah, his yeah. shorts and you yeah. see that. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he's jogging in his shorts. Um, Cause again, you're not going to lose heat through like your quads and your knees. If you are going to lose heat, you're going to lose heat through your toes, um, your head and your fingers. And those are the places we tell you to protect yourself. So he's probably got some gloves on um, and he's probably got some sort of, you know, head toque or something on and he's probably got good socks to keep his feet from getting too cold uh, but you're not going to really lose too much heat like in your torso or around your hips and stuff because those are your big muscle groups barry and when you're doing like powerful movements like running or exercising that's where you're actually gonna be producing a lot of your heat you will likely lose it in your fingers and your toes so i would suggest if you're working outside if you're running outside you wear some sort of protection around that area um, a lot of the running stores a lot of the fitness stores will have actually protective gear for those extremities um, but yeah, like uh, as long as you have the right equipment and you're prepared, you should be okay. And, and stretching and warming up before, before a workout, it's gotta be done regardless, whether it's hot or cold, we haven't seen any, um, you know, there's no real science to back that up, that it, muscles are stiffer in the winter. Uh, we talked about this before, what the science actually says is people are less active in the winter. And maybe that's why our muscles are more stiff. But if we actually just maintain a level of activity, your muscles actually aren't that stiff. Do you recommend doing your stretches inside before you go out so that your muscles are already warm? Or is it okay to do go outside? And we're talking when it's, say, below zero. Or is it okay to just go outside and then do your stretches outside before you go for your run? I, I would say, like, if we're going to be running outside, definitely you want to stretch indoors because stretching is not going to produce heat right? The purpose of stretching is to stretch your muscles. So it's more slow controlled movement to lengthen the tissues. So it's not going to really increase your heart rate and get your blood flowing. That's what's going to create heat. So I would say stretch indoors, get your muscles flexible, do some of your core stuff, turn those muscles on, and then you start running outside. That's when your heart rate starts to increase. And that's when your blood will start to flow. And that's when you'll actually create your own body heat. Um, so definitely stretch and, would you and warm up inside and work out outside. Would you almost burn off more when you're running in the cold simply because your body is also busy trying to warm itself as well? Is there anything to that? I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I don't know the science around it. I don't think we've done enough studies to compare, you know, caloric output um, between summer and winter, uh, the same sport, right? Certain sports will demand more caloric output than, than other sports, but I, I, I don't know. Um, what it's like in the winter you might have to run harder in the winter just because the you know depending on the surface you're probably wearing more you're probably wearing more gear shift to run a little bit faster right 
Um, but you also don't sweat as much, so you might not output as much, right? So it all it all really depends on on the individual and, and what the level of training is. I don't think there's enough science to back that up. I remember as a kid, and we used to have hockey practices outside in the dead of winter. And again, you're right. Your feet, your hands, your head were, were the things that exactly. you would be most cold. But then you, and then you'd work up a sweat, and while you're actually in it, you you feel fine because you're sweating. But then when you come back, that's when things can can go wrong. So again, do you kind of recommend the same thing? As soon as you're done, get into the warmth. Do some more stretching yeah, in the warmth. Exactly. Yeah, come back into the warmth and do some more stretching. Let your body not now you have to now you have to take your body temperature down. You have to cool down. So you don't want to cool down outside. Come back in and cool down where the body the temperature is regulated, and then your body temperature can come back down, and then you can stretch your muscles out at that same time. Would you recommend a hot shower or a cool shower? Not right shower? away. I actually wouldn't recommend a hot shower right away after um Mm-hmm. After a workout, I'd probably say you do about a 30 to 45 minute cool down and then a warm shower. Um, this depends on the level of, of what you're what you're doing. Right. So we see hockey players that jump into ice baths right away. Right. Um, basketball players do the same thing. They jump right into ice baths because they're so hot. Baseball, too. Baseball, too. Baseball yeah. players yeah. love their ice, right baths. ice bath oh, yeah. and then they'll, they'll do the shower later. But again, the uh, the hockey arena, even though it's cold, it's still a regulated temperature that their bodies are used to. If we're not used to it and if we're if the temperatures are different all the time, we might have to consider coming and letting our body just regulate before we put it into any sort of shower. Oraj, I know I can be cold to you sometimes, but you will always warm our hearts. Oh, I thought you were gonna say I was gonna be hot. (laughs) Let's not get carried away, Raj Sapaya. We are over Zoom now. There is Raj Sapaya from Foundation Physiotherapy. All right, uh, up next, his story is absolutely phenomenal and we're going to get into a bit of his pre-baseball story but for scott richmond his post-baseball story is even more compelling and the thing is are we even talking about post-baseball yet for the former blue jay there's tom fourth i'm barry davis and this is out of the park and now back to a guy who's never had to duck like ever here's barry davis a little tragically hip here on Out of the Park, and it's good that we play some good old Canadian music when we are inviting a good Canadian young man onto the program. Mr. Scott Richmond joins us. Scott, what is it about the hip? Are you uh, making the hip popular in Arizona these days or what? Oh, I'm trying to get my friends to listen to it down here, and they like the acoustics, but they have no idea what's going on. So I, I learned my love through uh, Baseball Canada. Scott, we have been doing a, a series of interviews with former players, and we call it Life After Baseball. But for you, we may never know if there's life after baseball because every time it seems like it is, then you reappear in baseball again. So as we speak right now, is baseball back on your radar or still on your radar? So baseball's not on anyone's radar right now as the world series concluded so i can safely say that it's not on my radar as everybody else's but um with the olympics possibly coming in 2021 and qualifying for that would be a dream come true so uh you know i i can never say no but um you know life does move on and kids do get younger and there are better players. So it's all about opportunity and trying to stay ready if they need me. 
they're going a different direction. Totally fine. Um, I just, I'd love to be an Olympian one day. Speaking of the Olympics, you know, you've been working with Team Canada for, for quite some time now. I know uh, as part of the push to the Olympics last year that didn't happen. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed that the Olympics happen this year. How does Team Canada look for qualifying? Um, good question. You know, we are, we have some uh, older talent and then we also have some good up and coming players that are now getting starting positions that are critical for the advancement of Baseball Canada internationally. So any day we can beat anybody in the world. We've done it before. We beat Japan in Japan with their all-star team. So, you know, if you can beat them, obviously to win a couple medals, so you can compete with anybody. And it's just about going out there and getting it done at the right time. So um, when it comes to these Olympic qualifiers, a lot of the countries bring their absolutely best players they possibly can because every country wants to be in the Olympics. So mm-hmm. they don't just kind of go through the motions. They really put together a solid squad, which I'm very confident Canada will do as well. So um, all we need to do is get in that tournament, let the cards fall where they may. But I feel very strongly we'll be able to advance. Scott. Is it a safe assumption that when you are officially, officially finished with playing, that having an involvement with Baseball Canada would be uh, something that you would be pretty much inclined to want to do? I'd love to. I'd love to. I've always said, um, you know, it's it's nice to coach kids, but it's, it's extremely nice for me to be able to come back and coach Canadian kids, uh, to kind of give back to the, the kids that, you know, are coming up in the sport and you know, give them opportunities that I never had growing up, which is, you know, ex-major league players kind of telling me what to do and how hard to work and people that I could listen to. So um, to be able to go back and give back through Baseball Canada that way and the up-and-comers that are coming up through the systems and, um, you know, speak wisdom to them and give them some encouragement and hopefully some helpful skills and tips of the trade, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, the, the state of baseball in Canada um... – it seems like, you know, from a fan's perspective, it seems like um, the games are, are are really, or sorry, the, the institutions are, are really kind of modernizing pretty well. And um, I've got a young son that, that plays here in Mississauga. And I'm just looking, you know, from when I was a young kid growing up, uh, the, the opportunities and the training that occurs uh, seem like head and shoulders better <laughs> than, you know, 25 years ago when I was playing ball. Um, but from your perspective, uh, what what direction are we headed in as a country with baseball? Is it, is it getting better and better year after year, or are we fighting a little bit here to get interest and to get, you know, enthusiasm in the game? Uh, really good question. Um, I thought you, you were know, taking a shower just, there for a second. <laughs> I think we're definitely going... No, sorry. You know what? We got a little puppy today, so my oh, wife's just cleaning oh. the feet. It sounds like a oh, yeah. It's all good. So we're uh, no, we're slammed. We're not going to sleep much tonight, but it'll be fine. Well, no wonder you'd agreed to do this conversation tonight, because that way you can get out of puppy duties for a little while, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, we're picking up all these new brushes and mats and leashes and you know potty mats and all these things. So I don't know nice. what's coming into the house, but she's taking the bull by the horns and. I'm happy and the dog's happy, so that's good. I but guess, um, no, to answer yes. your question. <laughs> forgot about that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I love it. I love the question. Uh, I think it's really important is, you know, the direction that we're going. When I first joined Canada, 
you know, that we hadn't done too, too much on the international stage. But um, ever since, you know, 15 years ago, we've started trending in the in a positive direction. And we don't want to hiccup from there. We don't want to have a step down too far before the young kids are really contributing at a, at a high level and and advancing the game. But what, what I really love about it is, is all the ex-Team Canada guys, all the guys that are done playing with Canada or done playing affiliated, they come back and they give back to the kids. They start facilities like Tyson Gillies and Michael Krause are doing in Vancouver. You have this NRS Academy, I believe it is, in Ontario somewhere with a bunch of guys. Um, or no, actually, it's in, sorry, that might be in uh, Vancouver Island. I'm not sure. So yeah. there's tons of stuff going on. A lot of people are coming and giving back, which is amazing. And I think that's what's advancing the game of baseball is these guys that have played internationally and in America for multiple years, they're coming back with that knowledge and now giving it to the kids, which we didn't have growing up. And now they're learning the proper way to do things with good coaching um, at a very younger, at a lot younger of an age, which is translating to becoming better quicker. So to answer your question, we are trending in the right direction. All the guys giving back to the game back in Canada is helping immensely. And I always say when the Blue Jays are doing well, baseball's thriving in Canada because then all the kids want to get out and play baseball. So we need the Jays to continue to be young, energetic and doing really well. Scott, your life before baseball is uh, arguably as a compelling story as your life in or after baseball. And, you know, when you look at what you had to go through before making it to the major leagues, do you think that gives you a little bit of, I don't know if advantage is the right word, but just an easier ability to get over the fact that the major league career is done as opposed to some people who, when they stop playing major league baseball, their lives can spiral in a pretty negative direction. And we've spoken to a number of players who've had that. I I put myself in some pretty good positions and then took advantage of those situations when I got to them. Um, Doesn't make it any less easier when you're still trying to fight to get back to the top level. But then you also have to realize that's the top level in the world. And for a guy that was, you know, such as myself that didn't throw super hard, wasn't a big prospect and had a lot of money invested in me, like zero money. Um, pretty easy to just, you know, go, oh, we gave him a shot. It didn't work out. You know, thanks for coming. They, they release guys all the time. So to just be appreciative to, to have that opportunity and uh, to give back and then, you know, be part of the alumni now. These things that you just look at, it's just a stepping stone along life. And yes, I would have loved to have a 10-year career and make millions of dollars and lots of contracts and all that. But just to get there is a dream come true. And to be there for two and a half years was, you know, was a great accomplishment. And I don't look at that as a negative. And some people, like you said, all they've ever known is baseball, their high school draft picks. And then they're, they spiral out a little bit until they maybe hit a little rock bottom and then pick themselves back up. But hopefully they have some good people in their corner, like I do, that just, you know, motivate you and go, hey, if you can make that work, you can make anything work. So that's getting to the highest level in athletics is very, very difficult. Finding a good job that you provide for your family that you enjoy doing is nowhere near as hard as that. So just keep positive and put yourself in good situations again. Scott, when you look at the end of your major league career, uh, you know, again, you had that great run and then we were looking probably around 2012, right? Where uh, you were outrided 
uh, by the Blue Jays, and you elected to become a free agent at that point. At that point, Scott, what do you recall your mindset? Was it, I'll just, you know, talk to my agent and we'll we'll sign another deal somewhere else because I need a fresh start? Or were you starting to think elsewhere? Because, you know, eventually the next year there you were playing in Korea. So what happened from the time that the Jays outrighted you to the time you decided to play baseball in Korea? Yeah, um, it was just a bit of a, I'd been five years with the Jays, super appreciative of everything I got. And just wanted to kind of see what else was out there, whether it is re-signing back with the Jays or if somebody else is like, geez, I really love that Richmond guy. Let's give him a shot and, you know, see if something else could happen somewhere else. Um, it was really nothing, no strategy to it. Uh, fortunately enough, enough, the KBO called. And one cool thing about the Korean baseball organization is they come with guaranteed money. So no matter what I was going to do for the 2013 year, it wasn't going to be guaranteed if it was going to be in America because I wasn't as established of a major leaguer where I could just, you know, have the rights to a major league contract and have that guaranteed. So um, I was fortunate that they called and had a guaranteed contract and ended up heading to Asia. So that was exciting. And, um, you know, finishing up the second chapter of my career over there would have been amazing. You know, you've, you went on to, to play in a number of other locations after Korea, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think even in Quebec for a while, you were playing with the team. If I'm, am I Correct. right? About, You're right. Yeah. You are right. Yeah. So, I, cause I was looking at this, I was looking at this list of all this, like in Mexico as well. And, you know, since you've been in the majors, you, you've kind of had the opportunity to, to really see a bit of the world. Is, is is there one team or one experience that kind of sticks out in your mind, uh, either for a good reason or a bad reason? By the way, I didn't I didn't see Mexico on here. I I did see China and Italy. Did you play in Mexico too? No. Well, oh, I played. We won in Guadalajara. We had the Pan Am. Oh, games. that's so okay. okay. We did play okay. in Mexico. That's where we won our first gold medal. Good save, Tom. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, getting back to know, I've Tom's knocked, question. I've, I've knocked off a bunch of countries. <laughs> <laughs> I always um, seem to interrupt Tom's questions, and then we can't remember what, what it was. Well, it's, it's, is, is there a country in particular uh, or a team in particular that sticks out in your mind for, for a good or, or a bad reason? Huh. I well, I'll, I'll give you – yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Barry. I, I, know, I know the bad if you want to share that one. Yeah, well, while we're on the <laughs> Korean topic, you yeah. know, so I go to Korea, and that was a really financially lucrative opportunity and a really kind of – chance to go over there and solidify myself and have a good career in Korea. Um, kind of like, you know, hopefully like, uh, Eric Thames did maybe not to that level of su super stardom, but you know, just to kind of have a nice couple of years over there. And if things work out and you can come back and be a big leaguer back here, like Josh Lindblom and stuff. But, um, all that didn't work out. I went to spring training and hurt my knee and then they released me, decided not to pay me a guaranteed contract and four years later, in court. So that was a long, exhausting process that I don't recommend on anybody, but I also stood up for being an international player or an import player that they thought they could just push under the rug and tell them to go away and we'll just go away. But when you're dealing with somebody's career they've worked hard for, uh, I'm not going to go away that easily. And I don't want to set the precedent that that's okay to treat people that way. So I made sure of you know, making sure that if you do somebody wrong like that, uh, there's avenues that we can take to get all, make sure you're exposed and that that doesn't happen again. And I've actually had other people, international players that have been to Korea that have had not similar issues, but 
issues where they've decided not to pay and they've reached out to me and asked for the law firm that I used and stuff just because mm-hmm. we won and it, it's just you're, you're you're not speaking the language and you're in a foreign country and they think they can just bully you around. So uh, that was unfortunate. So that's a negative situation. <laughs> but and, and, and you know what, Scott, you going through that and the lawsuit, you didn't only win what you deserve personally, but you won for everyone else out there because, you know, you exposed them for who they are and, and really, you know, prevented anyone else from getting into the same situation you were in. Yeah, it was just, you know, hard for our careers and we, we take a chance of going over to Asia and we sign a guaranteed deal and I didn't hurt myself dancing in a nightclub. I hurt myself on the baseball field in front of everybody just fielding a normal bunt and it was a meniscectomy in my left knee, simple four to six week. I was walking the next day after surgery and wasn't an arm injury at all. So very, very easy. And in Asia, you're over there, it's a two month spring training. So you know, I would have been back with a month left in spring training without an arm injury problem that would have been totally fine. So it was unfortunate. Um, what can you do now? But, you know, for the good for the good experience, you know, my our time in Asia in uh, Taiwan was amazing. We won the championship with the EDA Rhinos my first year, the same team Manny Ramirez played for a few years earlier. And then... Uh, the next year, I played again with the same team over there, and we enjoyed the night markets, and the people are absolutely amazing. And then uh, Italy was stunning. Just just the baseball was fine and dandy, and, you know, going to the motions there, it's only two games a week. But the rest of the time was traveling Italy for six months and a time I'll never forget. So that was definitely amazing. Had some friends come out and visit us, and, uh, a lot of a lot of really cool experiences, and on top of all that, that was so fun. Was with my family, but you know the baseball Canada when we're going abroad and we're going to countries and we're just all the guys hanging out. That's a different bond too. So super fortunate, super happy with where things have gone in my career. Scott, the last stint you had with a, my a major league organization was uh, when you played in Round Rock for the Texas Rangers organization. As you're playing through that season. Do you start again to think about, okay, well, if I don't get a call up with the big club this year, do I, you know, pursue another year in AAA? Do I, you know, again, look to go, you know, out of the country? Uh, Do the thoughts come through your mind during that course of the season where you're kind of looking ahead to, okay, well, what next? Yeah, of course. Like things that come up, it's just, you kind of just see where how you're pitching. Um, unfortunately, we're not all the Garrett Coles that just roll out of bed and everything's just easy every day. It's just every year is a grind, and you gotta you gotta change things and lower arm slots and learn another pitch and just you know. And, and then your your location goes down, and you're like, is this? Am I contributing enough where I'm not? you know, a liability or I'm a mop up guy and you just got to look yourself in the mirror and go, is this what I want to do? Like I got three young kids. Is this what I want to be doing right now? Um, for me, it kind of just circled around to, you know, baseball Canada. And was there a big tournament coming? Was there a a qualifier? Was there the WBC coming kind of thing too, where, you know, you could check off these amazing international accomplishments. And if I could have made, if I could have made the, leagues with rangers i would have loved it to love to i just wasn't pitching consistently the way i knew i could 
Um, that's the biggest thing. Tons of people in AAA can make pitch in the big leagues and have, but it's about doing it consistently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so today, if you were given the opportunity, do you still have do you still have gas left in the tank? Maybe maybe for a shortened season next year. <laughs> um, definitely, I'm not going to be playing any more seasons of baseball. I won't be um, like playing, you know, spring training, doing any of that, mm-hmm. even in Quebec or anywhere. But um, my arm feels fine, and that's one thing that's always kept me going. A lot of guys get out of the game because they're just. Their body's falling apart. Their hips are going. Their backs going. Their their knees and joints and their arm falls off. So um, I'm very fortunate to not be a hard thrower. I guess arm doesn't hurt, but um, it was fun. No, it was good and definitely not playing any more seasons. But you know, to get in there and ramp it up to help bullpen of baseball Canada is something I've done for the last couple of years, and um, I kind of on that mentorship role and make sure the bullpen's rocking and rolling down there and the energy is high. I'm, I'm a guy that's kind of been in every situation. So uh, it's good to teach these kids. Like when we go out there, you know, we're not messing around and this isn't a party time. And that's why we play the tragically hip everywhere we go. My favorite stuff. Scott, there was a time in there and I'm trying to think of when exactly it was, and I'm sure you'll have a better idea than I would, where you had decided that, that was it. You were going to pretty much retire. And I think it was, it was probably, was it injury related or you just, you know, you didn't have anything left in your arm at that point, but what went into that decision when you did kind of retire, like Michael Jordan retire? <laughs> Michael Jordan. Yeah. Thank you for the analogy. Cranberry. I played in Quebec um, and was, did the WBC in what? 17. Um, you know, it's just, it just comes down to, uh kids are all in school now before the kids were all not in school so they could travel if i was doing this for my family i wouldn't be doing it so you know the the pleasure of being able to bring them along my journey and now achieving goals of them knowing what i did and you know because they're gonna they're only five and eight so um i wanted them to really know what my first love was you know so they know what i did saw me play and that was everything to me, so that was really great. And now I'm, I'm excited to move on to the next chapter and just see what else I can do in my life. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll cut back to something that you touched on a little bit, and and actually just even touch on it a little bit with what you were just uh, referring to. But you talk about getting done the game and and not feeling like a train wreck. Um, and, you know, you feel that your arm's good, your legs are in good shape. Uh, we've talked to an awful lot of people uh, in the last little while who have had decidedly different experiences. And, you know, is there something, you know, we t- you can talk about pitch counts, you can talk about workloads, you can talk about how hard you're throwing um, or the type of pitches that you're throwing. But is there something that you attribute to the condition that, you, that you're in at the end of your career yeah you know luck i guess really um <laughs> I, i've seen a lot of guys work really hard in the room religious with their arm care religious in the weight room and i don't mean heavy weight because that's not necessarily the best for joints and taking care of your body but mm-hmm. um just making sure they're not missing a day and getting their running in and they still blow out um not super hard throwing guys uh hard throwing guys everybody kind of just blows out uh, it's just genetic or um kind of a freak thing i did a lot of 
stretching, which was good. Um, I didn't try and lift the squat, the house. And, um, if I, I also read my body really well, if I, if I felt kind of tight after a start, I wouldn't throw the next day. I would take it easy and just use that as a rest day. Um, and then just kind of read my body as it goes and not push it. And I guess also too, being a starter my whole life, I was able to have these five days in between, which really helped motions um, because if you're relieving sometimes you're not feeling great a couple extra Advil that day and you could blow out so it's 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 luck really it's a lot of luck Scott do you not have any baseball scars on your body well I do have a couple dots on my left knee from my medial meniscectomy where they took out 50% of my meniscus when I hurt myself in Korea but besides that I have not been open due to baseball it's amazing. You think of guys like like a Jason Fraser who had Tommy John three times. You know, it, it almost seems that more pitchers are, have Tommy John than don't these days. Yeah, absolutely, it's high school kids. They're all trying to get Tommy John over with earlier on. I don't know what's going to happen in thirty years. There's going to be cyborgs out there, but um, <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy the direction things are going. Maybe. You know, some of these old school pitchers, they threw 300 innings a year and never lifted a weight and drank beer and they never blew out. So there might be something to it. There might be something to it that we're going to have to find a happy medium because going from that to now, you know, drive line and yeah, that's great and dandy and you're gaining, gaining a few kilometers an hour, but, or miles, excuse me, but <laughs> you know, you're blowing out, you're blowing out. Everybody's blowing out. So where are we at now? So I don't know. They're still getting paid though. Yeah. When they blow out. Oh, yeah. It's not It's not hampering that. Oh, quite handsomely, too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that reaction from Scott Richmond. I know. <laughs> I know. They're getting paid a fortune. He knows the pain. He knows the pain. Uh, but he's also very appreciative of everything he has. And I guess that's uh, what we tried to do with today's program. We wanted to bring out a little inspiration. Mm-hmm. We wanted to... Uh, and I needed this personally. I needed this. This was great therapy for me because it has been a, a shitty week. And I apologize for my language. It's been a pretty crappy 2020 in so many ways. Yep. And um, from a real sad and tragic story, uh, I've had some great conversations that have made me feel really good about my life and, and every day I have. And I think we all need to look at ourselves like that, Tom. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I know... For me personally, the, the times that were hardest in my life and the journey back is measured for me in, in steps, but also, yeah, in those great conversations with people and, yep. you know, opening up and sharing. And, and it's amazing how little it takes to make someone feel better, despite, you know, how bad the world around you can seem beforehand. Uh, well said, Tom. Uh, we want to thank Raj Sapaya for being a part of this show, along with Scott Richmond. Next week, we will speak with Mio Yukoi, and she will start to share her story uh, living out really um, the last year she's expecting to be here on this earth. So we'll talk to her. Uh, we're also looking forward to a very interesting conversation with former Toronto Blue Jay pitcher Brett Cecil, who's gone through a lot of changes off the baseball diamond. And we'll see how many of those he wants to share on the program. And this will be a first timer. He's never been on the show before. So really looking forward to what Can't Brett has to say. Wait. And folks, if you are listening to this now, now you know. Don't give it away when I start posting the tease pictures on <laughs> social media. Don't go, I know it's Brett Cecil because they said it on the show. That's only for you to know. All right? 
Well, it's okay. It's the great thing about social media now, right? Yeah. Just throw whatever answer. Uh, I'd love to talk longer, Tom, but I, I do have to get back to my homework because high school really still hasn't ended for me yet. Folks, thank you so much for making us a part of your week. You've been listening to Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Thanks for joining us. Get home safely and see you next time.